ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So today promises to be the most personal, the most emotional, and perhaps the most important podcast episode yet. Because it's almost Mother's Day as I'm taping this live, and today I'm going to share parts of my journey to motherhood that I never have before. And they're parts that I've been ashamed of, afraid of, embarrassed about, And yet deep down know that there's nothing to be ashamed of and know that my story can help so many women out there. And you know that I open up all of my stories and open up my whole vulnerable heart when I feel that there is a story of mine that can help another woman. And so today I am opening up about the full range of emotions leading into Mother's Day. I think we think as a society, it's all about pink flowers and brunches and happiness and joy. And that is a piece of it for many people. And there are so many other emotions, pain and sadness and grief if you've experienced a pregnancy loss or a child or your mom. And so we're going to dive deep into Mother's Day. We're going to dive deep into all the emotions. And we're doing so on behalf of all of our sisters. Because when we support a sister, we support all women, and then we can all rise together. And so you're going to want to stay tuned for the whole thing. Grab your box of tissues. Grab your BFF to link arms as you listen. Make yourself a cup of tea and get cozy because it's going to be a good one, sister. Before I begin, new question I've never asked you. Have you hit subscribe on the Purpose Girl podcast? You hitting that one little button, subscribe does a few things. One, it ensures that you catch every episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. Two, the more of you that subscribe, the more women all over the world find us. It's also how I get amazing and better and better guests for you because the more subscribers I have, the more people want to be part of it. Also, the more of you that subscribe, the more I attract sponsors and that helps to pay for the whole production of the Purpose Girl podcast. So do me a favor. If you love the Purpose Girl podcast, Head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Hit subscribe. It takes one second and it is doing me a huge favor. One sister to another. Thank you. Next, of course, I want to read our review of the week. This is a five-star review coming to us from MMGALB727 that says, love this podcast, exclamation point. Karen is so thoughtful and warm. You want to jump through your headphones and give her a hug. But it's not just a feel-good show. It's one that provides actionable steps and direction so you can start discovering and living toward your purpose. Aw, M.M., I love you. And I do want you to come through the screen, the microphone, and give me a huge hug. I cannot wait for the day, and it's coming soon, when we can have our Purpose Girl Goddess Retreats. They are coming, sisters, so just get excited. I am figuring out how to do them safely this summer of 2021. And so if you want to be one of the first people to come to a goddess retreat live, 
make sure that you are on my newsletter list. You go to purposegirl.com, you sign up for that, or you are in my Purpose Girls Facebook group. We are almost 4,000 women strong. Join us there and you'll be one of the first people to know and get all the good early bird discounts. And then we can hug live. It's coming. All right, my sister, let's talk about Mother's Day. So as a young girl, I thought Mother's Day was all about joy and happiness. You could tell I'm already crying. I have a wonderful mother. I've talked about her on the podcast. I spoke about her at the Women's Day event. She is my role model for everything. She was a career woman before most moms were. She ran a math department after being the youngest and first woman teacher in her college and knew they told her that she was paid less and she worked her way up to running the department for like 20 years. She would fly all over the United States and give talks to community college professors on how to teach digitally. Like she was ahead of her time and amazing and all that while making all of our lunches, all of our dinners, while being the surrogate mom and best friend to everyone. I cannot tell you how many people, one of my cousins lost her mother and my mom became her surrogate mother. I mean, this is my mom. She's amazing. I love you, Gladdy. And so I only thought of Mother's Day as this happy holiday, right? This is a holiday. I buy cards for my mom. I buy flowers. I find her maybe a sweater or something that she would love. I have surprised her to go visit her. Like, this is what Mother's Day always was to me. It never occurred to me that there were women all over the world and men who found Mother's Day painful until I was one of those women. And if you've listened to the Purpose Girl podcast for any amount of time, you've heard a lot of my fertility journey, so I won't go over all of it again. But I was someone I didn't even know that I wanted kids. Well, I'll back up. When I was younger, I 100% wanted kids. Like when I was a little girl, no question, knew I wanted kids. When I was married to my first husband, totally. Like I had a plan. I was married at 22. I was going to have baby number one by 24, baby number two by 27. Like I had a life planned out and that didn't include divorce at 26. But I chose that even though he and I had talked about having kids, even though that was like a fun aspect of our marriage because talking about baby room and colors and names, like all of that is fun. So even though all that seemed fun, I am very grateful that we didn't have kids because my life would have turned out very differently. But then when I left that marriage to pursue happiness and what happiness meant to me, and what kept coming to me was purpose, that I am here for something. And what I kept discovering in my purpose journey was I'm here to empower women. Then I became so passionate about empowering women and girls and wanting to go into high schools and middle schools and teach girls to love themselves and wanting to speak on stages all over the world at companies and conferences, like doing this, like this is what I wanted was to empower millions of women of you to like love yourself and love your life and go for your dreams. Having a baby kind of fell off the radar. In fact, I remember sitting with friends in graduate school and saying, when I'm 80, I want millions of women to say, Karen Rockine changed my life more than I wanted any one human to call me mom. How interesting then that just a few months later, I met Josh. And even though his dating profile, yes, we met online, it can work. His dating profile clearly said and showed that he had a son 
But I didn't think we would ever get married. He was just going to be like a summer fling for me while I was still in graduate school and planning to move to New York, right? I went to grad school in Philadelphia where we live now. And so he was just going to be a summer fling. So I didn't really care that he said that he had a kid and I wasn't sure I wanted one. He even asked me that on our first date or maybe even before that, hey, you said in your profile you don't want kids or you're not sure, you know I have one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, it's cool. Because really, I just thought we were going to go on a few dates, maybe have a little fun, and that was it. And it was on our honeymoon. I've shared the story, but as a quick recap, it was on our honeymoon that we kind of accidentally kind of not got pregnant the first time. So let me paint the picture. We're in Venice, Italy. It's May, right around Mother's Day. Beautiful, sunshiny day. We had just arrived the day before. We found a beautiful little courtyard. We had a delicious seafood lunch. I'm talking calamari and pastas with shrimp and glasses of white wine. It was divine. And both a little bit tipsy, we go back to our hotel room. We start kissing. Next thing you know, we're making out. Next thing you know, we're about to have sex. And normally, we would use a condom. But in my tipsy state, I said, oh, what the heck? Let's just go for it. And so we didn't use a condom. And I got pregnant. When I found out I was pregnant, I was freaked out, sister. Like, freaked the frick out. I went to my doctor and she confirmed the pregnancy and I looked so scared that she handed me a lollipop that she normally gives to kids, right? Like I looked so scared. I called several friends. I'm like, what the F did I just do? I was freaked out. And I was so happy watching my non-existent yet belly grow, knowing that now the baby's the size of a blueberry, now a raspberry. Until I started bleeding. And we went to the hospital. I'm all waiting to go into a room. I had to pee. I'm right there in the toilet, sister. All blood, all tissue came out of me. I miscarried right there, screaming in the hospital bathroom. From then on, Mother's Day became something different for me. Yes, I love my mother. Yes, I still send her cards and surprised her to visit her. But Mother's Day also carried a pain, a pain of what was not going to be for me, right? Because the very next Mother's Day, I would have been a mom, and it was an enormous emptiness and loss. And it remained that way for the next four years. Now, to make up for it, Josh was wonderful. He would always buy me a card. As a mother to our doggy, Charlie, he would treat me with tenderness. He would still take me out to brunch, acknowledging that I was still a mother to our now two babies that we lost in miscarriage. And we started a tradition. I felt like I wanted to turn Mother's Day into something beautiful into something about birth and growth because I know how the mind and energy and psychology and how the universe works. And if I focused on loss and how awful Mother's Day was, then I would reap more of that, right? Like 
when you're only thinking of what's wrong, you get more of that back. And that's because every thought we have leads to a feeling, leads to a behavior. And energetically, there's so much going on energetically that when you put all of that negativity energetically, it comes back to you. And so I knew I had to turn Mother's Day into something beautiful and positive in order to reap what I wanted. And so what we started doing, I think it was that first year, I said, I want to plant a vegetable garden. I want to grow something on Mother's Day. And we had just bought this house and there was a box, a vegetable garden box that was all overgrown with weeds. And so we spent the day of Mother's Day clearing out the box and planting vegetables. And I'll tell you that first year we got more tomatoes than we've ever gotten since. We had so many, so many tomatoes. It was like the best summer ever with all those tomatoes. And we planted, I don't know, maybe cucumber, maybe other things. And so for four years, that's what we've done on Mother's Day. We have planted our vegetable garden. And now we have Shay and we will still plant our vegetable garden. That will be our tradition that he grows up doing with us. And I'm excited for it. And it's going to be beautiful. And I am so grateful that this year I get to have a Mother's Day with a baby and I get to have that part of my heart fulfilled. And I get to enjoy Mother's Day as a mom. And I am so aware of how many sisters out there, of how many of you out there or your friends or your sisters or your daughters or maybe your mothers had losses before or after you. I'm so aware of how many women, how many goddesses experience a painful Mother's Day. That even in my joy for what is coming on Mother's Day, I still am heartbroken knowing how many women out there will be having a challenging, difficult, painful experience. Mother's Day is filled with so many emotions. For you, it may be all joy if you're a mom and you never had any losses and your mother is still with you and you guys have a good relationship. Like you may find Mother's Day totally joyful. You may find it totally annoying, right? Like maybe you never want to be a mom and you're sick of everybody asking you, when are you going to have kids? Don't you want to have kids? Like, And you're like, shut up already. No, I don't. And it's my right not to have kids. So you may find Mother's Day totally annoying. You may find a lot of rage and anger around Mother's Day because maybe your mother was narcissistic and totally took advantage of you. Maybe she abused you in multiple ways and you're like, I have nothing to celebrate. This is effing bullshit. Maybe for you, there's a lot of grief. Maybe in this past year with COVID or for other reasons, you lost your mom. And there's an element of grief. Josh lost his mom 19 years ago now. And every year on Mother's Day, I think about her. And Sandy, I think about you all the time. That's his mom's name. Also my sister's. I think of her all the time too. In this case, I'm talking about my husband's mom. I think about her all the time. Josh says we would have been so close. She was a social worker, so we had this in common. And from everything I've heard from everyone, she was the kindest soul to have ever walked this planet and I know she would have loved Shay and last year in our gardening we planted a lilac bush her favorite flower and we wanted that for Shay we wanted him to have a piece of his grandmother with him always and as part of our tradition 
And so you may experience grief on Mother's Day. You may experience trauma on Mother's Day if you've had miscarriages like I have, or you've had stillbirths, if you've lost babies, you've had children who have died to cancer or birth defects or other issues. Mother's Day may be filled with trauma for you. I share all that not to dampen your experience of Mother's Day, but rather to open your hearts to all of the experiences of your fellow sisters, of goddesses everywhere, that there is a lot packed into one day. Because there is so much sensitivity for women around motherhood. It is a choice. And for many, it's not a choice, right? You want it and it hasn't happened. You may experience a lot of grief and trauma and fear and pain when you've wanted a baby and you've been trying to conceive for months or years. And sister, my heart is with you. All of you, my heart is with you. And you may be experiencing many of those emotions at the same time. And so I just want to open us up to the full experience of motherhood. And this is something for all of us to be cognizant and loving toward all of our sisters. Because the more open-hearted we are toward any woman and every woman, the more we help all women rise. And that's really what the Purpose Girl podcast, that's what Purpose Girl as a movement is all about. Making space for every single woman, for all of your emotions, knowing you are valid, you are right, you are enough, you are beautiful, you are perfect as is in all of your emotions. You get to have them all and you still get to create everything that you want in life. And I say that, that you still get to create everything that you want in life because that is what I've done, even with all of the different emotions that Mother's Day has had for me. So we know that one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. We know that one in five women will have a miscarriage. I am one in four. I am one in five. We know that one in eight will experience infertility. Yes, it is that common. And I am one of eight. And we know that part of this is because many of us are choosing to have children later and later. Right? Like, I wasn't even sure I wanted kids. I didn't marry Josh until I was 39. When we went on that honeymoon, I was 40. So we didn't even conceive the first time or even try until I was 40. And let me be clear about my own body. My mom went through menopause at 43. In fact, I remember breaking up with a guy. Okay, so obviously I was married young, divorced young, and then I had like a series of one-year boyfriends. I was like the serial monogamous woman or something. Anyway, one of my boyfriends, interestingly enough, this story also includes Italy. One of my boyfriends, when I was 30, I was with him in, in Italy and we just, we were not meant to be. We had a terrible relationship. I was calling my best friend crying from Italy. Like it was all wrong. So we came back from Italy and I broke up with him. And then I went to visit my parents shortly thereafter. And my dad was furious with me. He was so upset with me. So we went to Starbucks. That's kind of our place to have like good, serious conversations. And I sat down and I said, okay, daddy, like what's going on? And he banged the table and he said, you can't keep doing this. Meaning I can't keep breaking up with men. <laughs> he said, you're 30 now. 
don't you know your mother went through menopause at 43? Your eggs are dying. (laughs) Okay, so there I am. I'm 30. Being told by my father, totally uncomfortable conversation. Being told by my father about my eggs, that they're dying, that I'm going to go through early menopause. At 30, I wasn't thinking about menopause. That seemed like 100 years off. Like, what is he talking about? And I knew that it was true. So, of course, it like freaked me out. And then I was like, maybe I shouldn't break up with him. Oh, my God, am I making a mistake? Could it be okay? Oh, my God, I got to find someone else, blah, blah, blah. And I will say I did not get back together with him. And I went into a depression. So uh, is it my dad saying that to me? Is it just I was like sick of having these relationships and not knowing what I wanted and feeling like it was never going to happen? Whatever. I've been to lots of therapy about all of that. Bless my dad. He warned me early that I wouldn't be able to have a baby forever. So fast forward, when Josh and I got pregnant at 40, it was like a miracle. Like, first of all, first time we ever tried, I get pregnant. So I'm thinking, I don't have my mom's genes at all, right? Like, I'm totally good. I get pregnant easily. So even when we miscarried, as painful and difficult as it was, and it was difficult, I also had in the back of my mind, I'm going to get pregnant easily. In fact, I can't tell you how many women sent me messages saying, I got pregnant immediately after my miscarriage. It'll happen for you right? Like I had a miscarriage and like two weeks later I got pregnant. So in my head, I'm like, I get pregnant easily. I'm going to get pregnant again in two weeks. Like we got this in the bag. Like I didn't even think twice about it, but I didn't get pregnant two weeks later. I didn't get pregnant two months later or two months after that or a year after that. It was month after month after month of getting my period and feeling so awful and feeling so small that we went to our first fertility doctor and I think I've mentioned him on the show before but if you haven't heard it or to remind you they did all these tests on us and the doctor looks at Josh and said you have the sperm of a 25 year old (laughs) right it was like some sort of attaboy conversation and then he looks at me and he said you're old what do you expect And sister, I was 41, which we know plenty of 41-year-olds that get pregnant. So it's not that I was that old. But remember, my mom went through menopause at 43. And at the time, the doctor gave me less than 2% chance of being able to have my own baby. Because it's not just that I was 41. It's that all of my levels showed I was already in perimenopause. Truth is that I've been having night sweats that you get from menopause way back into my 30s. By that point at 41, I think my periods were down to like two-day periods. I indeed do have my mom's ovaries and egg supply. And so that doctor said to me, you should use an egg donor. Thank you for being patient while I cry through this. And I was furious. Who the F do you think you are telling me I need an egg donor? I'm not using an egg donor. That is not for me. I can have my own baby. I'm in positive psychology. I can think my way to anything. Positive thoughts lead to positive results. No effing way. No way. I was furious. I couldn't grab Josh's hand fast enough to run out of that building. I hated that doctor. 
And I said, wait a minute, there's more you can do to help your egg. And there are great books out there that help you to make your egg quality better. It's all about what you eat and what you ingest in your body and no longer using plastics and using glass containers and no longer having phthalates and BPA plastic situations and everything and drinking lots of raspberry leaf tea and having acupuncture and giving up gluten and giving up caffeine. And there's so much out there about how to improve your egg quality. And I said, I haven't done any of that. So I'm going to do that, right? And I even hired a fertility nutritionist, yogi specialist to do private coaching with me. And I cleaned up everything. All the plastic bottles left our house. All of our Tupperware was replaced with glass. All of the products that we used went to natural. Everything changed. No, I haven't had caffeine in five years. So no gluten, no caffeine, dairy reduced significantly. Like everything changed. And I did get pregnant again at 43. But if you've heard the Purpose Girl podcast, you know that I lost that baby too. So after some time, about eight months, it was Mother's Day again. And Josh took me out for a beautiful brunch. And I said to him, let's talk about if we're going to have a baby and how. And Someone very close to me had been on an IVF journey for years and had suggested that we try IVF. And I had said, absolutely not. I would rather adopt than do IVF because with adoption, it's a guaranteed sure thing. You have a baby at the end. IVF, I had seen way too many women have multiple tries and multiple tries and say that they've done nine rounds of IVF and 10 rounds of IVF and years of IVF and no baby and no baby and that they've spent $100,000 and all of this. And I thought, if I spend all that money and there's no baby, I'm going to be so angry at myself. I'm going to go out of my mind. Now I'm just going to beat myself up that I didn't do adoption and that was more of a sure thing. So fast forward, we're sitting there, it's Mother's Day, and I said, let's talk about having a baby. Should we? In what way? And we had always said, he knew how I felt. We had always said that we would try adoption before we tried IVF. But sister, the goddess kept whispering in my ear, IVF. And there have been a few times in my life when she whispers in my ear so clearly and so loudly. One of those times was when I was married the first time and feeling so lost and so empty and crying in the shower and she whispered in my ear there's more and another time was when I was being robbed at gunpoint and I thought I was going to lose my life and she said oh no sister women need you you're here for purpose and another time was before the second pregnancy I had decided I wanted a BMW I work really hard at purpose girl and I'm like you know what I'm going to gift myself a BMW for my next car. I'm doing it. And so we went to test drive and I'm a convertible girl. Okay. I have a mini Cooper convertible. So it was like, okay, we're going to get a BMW convertible for sure. So that's what we were test driving. And the goddess said to me, SUV. And I said to the goddess while I'm test driving, I'm, and I said to the goddess while I'm test driving the convertible and the top is down and it's fabulous and beautiful. I said, I'm not getting an SUV. I don't have a baby. Like, if I'm getting an SUV, goddess, you better give me a baby. And again, she said, get the SUV. And sister, that was, I know I'm kind of moving around here in years, but that was, I think, two days before I conceived the second child. 
that we then miscarried. So I know that when the goddess speaks to me, I need to listen. And so there we were at brunch. We were sitting in a booth up against the table, beautiful, beautiful, fancy brunch, I remember. And the goddess whispered, IVF. And I wanted to turn toward the goddess. I felt like she was coming from the wall. And I was going to say, I'm not doing IVF. You've seen all these people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and years and it doesn't work. And my eggs are old anyway. I'm not doing IVF. Get out of here. So then I have this app on my phone. It's a Magic 8-Ball app. It's just like super fun. You know the Magic 8-Balls, like those toys, or maybe you consider them prophecies, whatever they are. So they they look like an 8-Ball on a pool table, but you shake them up and they give you an answer, right? So like you might ask them, should I book this vacation? And you shake it up and it'll say yes, no, maybe, or whatever other answers are inside of that Magic 8-Ball. Well, I have a Magic 8-Ball app. It's really just for fun. And so I said, all right. Listen, the goddess is whispering IVF to me. And Josh knows what it means when the goddess whispers to me. But we've never said we were going to do IVF. We always were going to do adoption. So let's take out our magic eight ball. So we ask it the question, should we do IVF? Shake up the phone. Yes. Okay, well, there must be something wrong with this. It's just a toy. It's just the phone. Who cares? We ask it, should we adopt? Shake up the phone. No. What? Okay, it's being so clear. I'm like, what? is going on here, okay, because it is being so clear with us. So we knew that the answer was IVF. But sister, I was so scared. Like, my eggs were dying, remember? I already had been told at 41 that I had less than a 2% chance of having a baby. At that point, I was almost 44. And here's what we know. We know, according to the CDC, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, that the odds of a 44-year-old conceiving via IVF with her own eggs are 0.8%. And I will tell you that the tests I had said that conceiving with my own eggs was less than 0.2%. I mean, literally, it would be some sort of freak accident miracle. Because at 44, I was even further along in perimenopause. I was still menstruating every month. My periods were down to about a day and a half. My night sweats only got worse. I was in perimenopause. And are there 44-year-old women who have like super kicking awesome healthy eggs? Yes, and more power to you, sister. But it wasn't me. So we started doing research, and we found that there are options. We remembered that one doctor had said, egg donor to which I was furious. And I said, no way. No way are we having an egg donor because I don't want this baby to be Josh's and not mine. So what, we're going to use Josh's sperm and now this is going to be his baby, but it's not my baby because we didn't use my egg. I knew I would be resentful of him. I would be furious with him. I was so afraid I wouldn't feel like this was my child, that this is some other woman's child. And then I was afraid if we use an egg donor, like, is he or she going to want to go look for their biological mom or their birth mom? Like, what do we even call this person? Absolutely not. No egg donors. A couple months go by and I was visiting a dear friend and she happened to have a fertility appointment that day and said, do you want to come? It might even give you new ideas. At that point, we hadn't done any IVF. I just heard the goddess whispering to me and didn't know what to do. 
So I went to this fertility appointment with this friend and the doctor started talking about embryo donation, receiving an embryo that another person or couple has made. And I went, wait, what? That's an option? So if this is new to you, here's how it works. Couples who go through IVF end up with however many embryos that they have, some zero, some 10. And then they transfer one or two into the woman's uterus in order to become pregnant. And and in about half the cases, it takes on the first try and the other half it doesn't. And that's when you hear a woman say that they went through multiple cycles. That might mean that they went through multiple cycles of trying to retrieve their own eggs. It might mean that they went through multiple transfers. I've heard women go through three or four transfers and still not get pregnant or it not be a strong pregnancy and they lose it. And so what can happen, like I have several friends who have gone through the IVF process with their partners and several with a sperm donor, and then they end up with, let's say, four embryos. They get pregnant with one, and then the rest are in a freezer to be used at a later date. And I now know that when you go through the IVF process, you actually have to fill out a ton of paperwork about what will happen to the eggs if you die or if you break up with your partner, or if there's a divorce. I mean, there are you have to sign your life away to go through an IVF process, okay? And, and it's good because you're making decisions, right? So what happens is that they take eggs that are retrieved from a woman, they fertilize them with the sperm, and then the doctors watched what's called a blastocyst grow over a few days. And first of all, not all the eggs fertilize with sperm. So as easy as we were told it was to get pregnant when we were kids, right? Remember they told us when we were like 12 or 13, if you just open your legs, then you will get pregnant. If you look at a boy, you will get pregnant. Not so. Okay. So a lot of times eggs do not fertilize. You can, they literally take sperm in this process, insert it into the egg and still it doesn't fertilize for a number of reasons. Like maybe the genetic material wasn't good in that particular sperm or that particular egg. So for a number of reasons, not every egg fertilizes. Okay. So a woman, let's say she starts off with 12 eggs, let's say seven of them fertilize or nine of them fertilize. Great. Now they watch the cells need to divide and grow. So right, the one cell divides into two and then into four and then keeps growing and has to keep growing over five days. So they keep watching and then you know at day three how many are still viable. So let's say you started with the, you started with the 12 eggs you're down to seven of these blastocysts or embryos. Now, let's say on day three, four of them stop growing and you're down to three. Okay, on day three, some people will do a transfer, a fresh transfer right from the Petri dish into your uterus. Much more common is to wait until day five. That's how you have a better chance of knowing, is this a blast that's going to survive? So by day five, now they insert it into you or they freeze it. If you have five, you're not going to transfer five into your uterus. That would be crazy and unhealthy. So let's say they transfer one and then the other four are frozen. And in advance, you've already decided what's going to happen with the frozen embryos. Like any that you don't want, you could donate. You could keep paying every year for the freezer fees, which many, many, many people pay year after year to keep them in the freezer just in case they want them in the future or because they don't know what to do with them and they don't know, you know, and they aren't ready to make a decision about them. So what can happen is some people choose that once their family is complete, let's say that they now have one child or two or three or four, whatever they want, 
and they still have embryos in the freezer. They may choose to donate those to another person, a mother, or a father, or a couple in need who are having trouble getting pregnant. And the laws are clear. You actually can't adopt an embryo. Rather, the embryo is donated and you simply pay for the procedure for the transfer and for all the meds and everything that has to go along with having an IVF transfer. Well, when I heard about this, I was like, what? This is an option? This is amazing for a number of reasons. One, it's a heck of a lot cheaper. Okay, egg donation, first of all, using like an egg donor and IVF begins at $25,000. So that is like, poof, you know, and then I thought if that doesn't work, I'm absolutely going to like <laughs> murder somebody or myself, right? It's going to be crazy. It's a lot cheaper. And I wouldn't have that resentment that this baby is Josh's and not mine. I'm like, I'm in. This is amazing. We're doing embryo donation. Let's find a doctor near us. So we do all the research and we find that doctor like right down the street, super close to us, is like world renowned for this. And he has his office has their own bank of embryos and of egg donors. And it's because it's a large practice. He has maybe five, six, seven offices everywhere. And he has a lot of egg donors. There are a lot of universities near me, University of Pennsylvania, Villanova, a number of universities. And egg donors get paid eight to $10,000 to donate their eggs. And they deserve every penny of it because it's a very personal decision that um, is, is beyond a gift and meaningful. So we were like, sweet, this doctor has embryos like sitting in a freezer? We're in. So I'm 44 at that point. We make an appointment. We can't get in for months. We go in December. We sit down and the doctor says to us, you can do embryo donation or have you thought about egg donors? And I said, yep, not happening because I would just resent him and I would always feel like this was his baby and not mine. And he said, okay, no pressure. Just so you know, it's harder to receive an embryo. There's a longer waiting list and a number of different factors that go into it. And so I'm going to send you to talk to, there's like a special coordinator that you talk to if you're using a donor of any kind, whether it's an embryo donor or an egg donor or a sperm donor, right? One of the reasons for infertility is in a heterosexual relationship or, or when it's two men, the man's sperm might have low motility or low sperm count or whatever it might be. And so if you're using a donor, you speak to a special coordinator. So we went from his office into the coordinator's office and she gave us all of the information, all of the documents about embryo donation, as well as using an egg donor. And we said, all right, we're going to go with embryo donation, but well, sure, we'll be back. We'll, we'll confirm it and be back in touch. That weekend, we were with my parents. I'm going to cry again. And I watched how kind Josh was with my parents. How loving, how giving, taking their luggage up to the third floor of our house, supporting them you know, out of the car or buying them meals, whatever it might be, just so loving. And I said to myself, if I can have my husband's sperm, why wouldn't I want that? Of course I want that. And so we decided on egg donor. And the truth is, is that Shay is the product of Josh's sperm and a wonderful, wonderful woman who donated her eggs. And this is the first time I'm sharing this publicly. You can tell it is a little hard. 
I have not shared because of shame. Something, some part of me saying he's not mine, like he's this other woman's child. And I know now a hundred million percent that is not true. In fact, it's so hilarious. Many of you send me messages on Instagram or on Facebook that he looks just like me. And I, the truth is he does. And I love that. And I didn't want to share this whole story with you. I didn't want to share about the egg donor because I don't want you to stop saying how much he looks like me. Like, I want you to say it more. I love hearing how much he looks like me because the truth is, one, we picked a donor that, of course, looks just like me. We have very similar eyes. We have the same dark hair, like the same skin coloring. A lot about this woman and I look the same. And I just have super strong goddess genes. Like, can we just acknowledge this? So there's something called epigenetics. Yes, there is genetics, of course. The sperm and the egg create the, gen- the genes of the baby. And we also know that the mother transfers, obviously, so much of her own material during gestation, right? So while Shay was cooking inside me, he was getting all of me. He was getting everything about me. And epigenetics, the idea of it is that there are some genes that will be tripped up depending on use or environment. And so being inside of me, my genes determined which of his genes would actually present. And Let's be honest, the boy looks so much like me that when I sent pictures to my fertility doctor a couple months ago, he was like, um, how does he look just like you? I texted him back like, I think you actually one day, you must have gone up into my vagina and taken one of my own eggs. And he and I were like cracking up over this, right? Like clearly Shay looks just like me. So I obviously have like super strong goddess genes because the boy is clearly mine. But sister, I was afraid to tell you this. I was afraid to tell everybody this. And every time somebody says, he looks just like you, I've had like a pang of shame or embarrassment and and really feeling into it. It started months ago when he was born with, is he mine? And I worked a lot with my postpartum therapist on it. A lot, a lot, a lot. She's like, that milk that you're giving him, yours. And whether you breastfeed or not, that was just one of her examples, that uterine juice that you gave him for nine months, yours, like all of it. You being up in the middle of the night while he's crying, yours. You being with him during his first fever and sick and he's hanging on to you, yours, like all of it. And there was some part of my brain that maybe was afraid of being attached or embarrassed. And so every time one of you, and I hear this all the time, he looks just like you, some pang has been inside me. Well, what's happened is instead of it being shame or embarrassment that he's not mine, the pang instead has been I'm not being honest. And listen, even though my life is a public open book, being a podcaster and a motivational speaker and leading hundreds, thousands of women around the world, even though my life is kind of an open book, I still have the right, of course, to live a life of privacy. I still have the right that some stories are mine and not for public consumption. And so I always knew I don't have to tell anybody right? This is really Shay's story. That was another thing that came up for me. Like, is this not mine to tell? This is Shay's story to tell one day. And that is true too. And Josh and I already tell him. So I tell him a nighttime story, whisper it to him several times a week that there's a little boy named Shay and mommy and daddy wanted him so much that when baby Shay wasn't coming, they went to a doctor. That doctor said, you need a little bit of help. And so that doctor helped us to find a really nice, wonderful woman who donated one cell 
for baby Shay to be born. And that doctor merged that one cell with one of daddy's cells. And then together those cells came together and started creating baby Shay. And then that doctor took all those cells of baby Shay and transferred them into mommy's belly. And then you grew and you grew and you and I had those nine months together and we became so close. And then you were born and here's baby Shay. And I tell that story. You can tell I like rolls off my tongue because I tell it so much. So we are being honest with him and we plan to be honest with him. We've heard too many stories that a baby might end up being 18 and then find out and then is full of resentment because they feel like they've been living a lie. In fact, part of the process was we had to receive counseling with a specialist in this who was very clear about telling our baby from a very early age and making it no big deal, right? Because it's just like, oh, well, one cell was donated. No big deal. If someone's growing up with a single mom, then they know that there was some sperm donor, whether that was, you know, a partner that's left or a woman used a a donor from a bank. Like, it's no big deal. And I think the issue is when we make it a big deal. The issue is when we are embarrassed like I've been and we're hiding it as if there's something to be ashamed of. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Remember, women over 44, the chances of having their own child are slim to none, really none. And so when we hear about celebrities and superstars like Gina Davis and others having these babies later in life, many of them aren't saying that they had an egg donor. And I have no idea. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But the chances are that many of them did. And so what if we just take this issue out of the closet and we say, here's this wonderful thing. And we say, sister, you can still be a mom and still carry a baby in your belly using a donor. And that's why I ultimately decided to do this podcast today, because I want you to tell all of your friends, you can still have a baby. There are options and that baby will be yours and it will be wonderful. And I know this woman, I listened to her podcast and we're BFFs who have never met and she did it and she has this beautiful baby and she's so happy and she knows that the baby is hers and you can do it too. And so... That is ultimately the mission and the purpose of my life. I am here to inspire you. That is why I'm here. And I know that I'm given every story of my life to inspire and empower women to rise up for all of us to lift up. And so I spoke to my dear friend, Stacey. So I texted her, I think I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. And then I did like the throw up emojis a few times. So she's like, oh, sister, do you want to talk about this? Definitely. So we hopped on the phone. We did this wonderful process where she non-judgmentally keeps asking me about it so that I can just get all my thoughts out. It's wonderful. It's from Mama Gina. It's called Spring Cleaning. Anyway, I did the process. And what I realized in doing the process, because she doesn't say anything, I just keep talking and talking. Yes, I have these fears about sharing this with you. And the biggest fear is that you will stop telling me that Shay looks like me. So instead, what I'm hoping that you will do is go over to Instagram or Facebook and you will send me 10 more messages about how much he looks like me. So that's my biggest fear is that people will stop saying he looks like me. So please double down on that. Thank you. And just tell me how awesome my jeans are because obviously I've got the world's strongest, amazing goddess jeans that he does look just like me. And in talking to my dear friend, Stacy. What I, what, what I came to is I can look at this from a place of shame and pain and embarrassment, or I can stand proud. Look at how much I wanted my baby, that I was willing to go through all of this $40,000 later, multiple loans, like the whole thing had a beautiful woman who also gave me some money for it. Thank you to Patty out there. So I can have that embarrassment or I can be so proud and so like shiny and glittery and look at me. I did all this. We did all this for our amazing, beautiful boy. I can be in so much gratitude to this woman who donated her eggs. Like that is a 
difficult, long, painful, personal process and decision. So thank you out there. I love you, whoever you are. And no, I don't know who she is. Like, this is amazing. And I can be the glittery light for you if this is your situation, for your sister, your best friend, your daughter, whomever, your cousin, your friends at work. It's always a choice, sister, right? You always hear me say, I choose. And so in this moment, I am choosing to shift the story and to be so proud that I received help, that I used an egg donor, and that Shay, my beautiful, beautiful boy, is the product of that generosity from that woman and of my amazing fertility doctor, Dr. Glasner at Mainline Fertility. And so I may have a vulnerability hangover tomorrow sharing this. I may be like, what the F did I just do? Because this is personal. I have Josh's full support, whether I wanted to share or I didn't want to share. And this is Shay's story, ultimately. And I want every woman to know that this is possible. And of course, if this didn't work, adoption was an option. And if that didn't work, there's always the option of saying, and what else am I here for? Do I want to foster children? Do we want more animals? Do we want to move to Greece and live in a five-star villa somewhere? Like everything, no matter what, we can always choose what we do with it. And so as we go into this Mother's Day, I have so much gratitude for that beautiful 26-year-old woman who donated her eggs and who apparently is my twin. I have so much gratitude for my own mother for being there throughout this whole process standing by me, being such a great mom to me, a great mother-in-law to Josh. She treats Josh like her son, not like her son-in-law. So much gratitude for Josh's mom for giving birth to him and raising such a beautiful man. I have so much gratitude to Shay for choosing me. I have so much gratitude for Dr. Glasner, for his nurses, for the whole staff. I love you all so much. And I have so much love for every woman out there, no matter what you are feeling and experiencing this Mother's Day. Know that you have me as your sister, as your friend. We are in this together. And one final thing, know that no matter what you desire, what your dream is, there always is a way. So rather than say to yourself, I can't, it's not possible, you now have my full story. You know that anytime I hear I can't, I always flip it into how can I. And so when I was told I could not have a baby at 44, you know I was going to flip it into how can I. And when there is this beautiful, wonderful, modern technology option that didn't used to exist, let's be so freaking grateful and jump on it. So the answer to how can I, I went for it. And I now have the most delicious, beautiful, happy, healthy, poo-poo-poo, knock on wood baby on the planet. And I'm grateful beyond. So with that, sisters, love yourself this Mother's Day, no matter what it means to you. And please share this episode with every woman who needs to hear it. And if you haven't left your five-star review, go leave it. It takes you 60 seconds. It really helps me out. Subscribe to the podcast. Join Purpose Girl to find out when I'm doing the next goddess retreat. It's coming. And of course, all the Goddess on Purpose courses and so much good stuff is coming. Join the newsletter. Join us in the Facebook group. This is how we change the world, one woman at a time. And with that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.